Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Quantum Nurse International Livestream. So I am very happy today because first I can bring to you a, uh, an, a, 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 let's say an exceptional young man. I say that because um, there's not a lot of uh, young people nowadays whom I can see that they're very together. And if they are, then I really get impressed and I want to I want to be around them. I want to have a conversation with them. But first, thank you for all the subscribers and thank you for everyone who's been following me, the quantum nurse, and also those who follow our Freedom International live stream when I bring a whole bunch of uh, um, podcasters from around the world. Because... So thank you, and I hope anything that is useful for you and or you know that you can be used by other people, please share it, okay? So today, thank you, Abby. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have a good conversation. So Abby, I'm going to just share a little bit about Abby, but I, I, I want him to tell us more of how he really came up to be who he is right now. So Abby Butar is a graduate of the Bell College of Business at the University of North Carolina at Charlotte with a degree in finance and minor in religious studies. What a beautiful combination. Right. <laughs> That's it's like with that combination, like I myself be like, mm, I think I may trust this young man. Okay. Well, diverse, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Abby uses the discipline that he gained from practicing Songam. Am I saying correctly? Yep. Songam Taekwondo for over ten years, as well as the risk management strategies that he helped that helped him become a risk management strategies that uh, become help him to be a profitable poker player in his current activities. And I have a little story about you, about that poker player thing. Now, and he is an investment account manager, a technical analyst, a trader, and a macroeconomic enthusiast who shares his insights and analysis on his media pages. Because um, with that information, follow that link tree that Abby has in this banner, because you could find him in Instagram, you could find him in Twitter, and of course, in YouTube. And, and he says, and he believes that in the world of unprecedented overreach and manipulation by governments and central bank authorities, there has never been a more important time to take control of your own financial situation. And that is now. So thank you again, Abby. And um, for all of you listeners, especially for young people, this will be a perfect time for you to get involved in our conversation. And if you have questions or comments, please feel free to share it. So Abby, um, so yeah, please share more on um, how did you suddenly just you know got interested with finance? Because I asked that question, maybe you could start with your environment, which all of us, our first environment was our immediate family, right? Because they said the environment matters a lot more than anything else. And now we even have, um, there are studies that it's not your DNA, but it's more on how that DNA is cultivated. And that could be a wellness just for health, but also in finance and, and, uh, and other wellness. So do tell us. Yeah, well, I've always been, been fascinated about the conversation uh, regarding nature versus nurture, right? And you know, which has the, the more profound impact in someone's socialization and growing up and, and manifesting themselves. And I've always been, uh, I've always leaned on the environment, uh, or the the nature, or the the nurture uh, side of it, because I think my environment has been so so important in shaping who I am and, and my interests and whatnot. Um, so my dad has always been very uh, supportive of uh, many of my activities. So is my mom, um, and I actually went to a seminar when I was about 11 years old, um, looking at. Uh, market structures and and technical analysis, and that's actually how I first initially got into this uh, this space of 
kind of finance, though that's kind of a niche uh, part of it. Um, and so I was I was 11 years old, and that's how I first started uh, kind of becoming interested, or at least being introduced to looking at price charts and and that kind of uh, that kind of thing. And I didn't really do a lot of it um, past that. I would look at it from here and there, and you know, I'd study a little bit, um, but I never really did anything with that. And uh, I also went to a Montessori school throughout elementary and and high school, and that school really allowed me to look into a lot of different areas of interest and kind of grow and, and, uh, very, very, uh, kind of fluent and flexible environment. Um, I'm not sure if you're, you're familiar with Montessori schools, but, um, I definitely attribute that to, um, my openness to different perspectives and just kind of my temperament overall. Um, and there I learned how to play poker in a math and sports intercession. And so that was really fun. Um, we kind of saw how math went into a lot of different kinds of games and sports, um, including poker games like blackjack and Texas Hold'em. And that's when I uh, really started getting interested in Texas Hold'em. And I've uh, taken a lot of those uh, kinds of strategies and approaches that I've used in that game and applied it to kind of invest- investing and managing finances and that kind of thing. And that's how I kind of chose to pursue a degree in finance and take investing a little bit more uh, seriously. So that's kind of my general background in my environment. Thanks for sharing that, Abby. And um, um, lately, there's always been a conversation about education. And what I'm hearing from you is you did have a different kind of education exposure from since you were a child. And uh, there's even and the Montessori school, right? That's a private school. So it seems like um, the call to action lately for those parents and grandparents who are concerned about children and having their uh, future, who, their children as future leaders in the gen, in, in uh, future leaders will be, will depend on the kind of education. And there's always been a question on how the public education is not really serving that purpose. And yet, instead of raising men and women who could be leaders with heart, with critical thinkers, then it seems like most are getting to be dumbed down. So it's good to hear that you you came from that private education. And when you were also sharing about um, your, uh, you, you spoke about the Taekwondo. So, and, and you started that early as well, right? Yeah. And what is in that Taekwondo? Because again, parents used to, I love putting their children their, into to some type of sports or martial arts activity. And yeah. Well, first off, uh, as far as your comment on education, I mean, I think that it's a quote, correct me if I'm wrong, it might be Einstein, but you know, if someone's, if a fish is judged upon their their ability to climb a tree and a monkey is uh you know judged on how well they can swim then you're not really going to get an accurate view of of intelligence and capability and you know that monkey will feel like they're incompetent that fish will feel like they're incompetent um and that's kind of the i think the problem with education it's it's really a a cookie cutter kind of uh way of approaching education it doesn't really um accommodate all the different kinds of learning um, learning approaches that there are. And, you know, people are so different and unique. And so there, that's, I think, a big problem with, uh, you know, general public education just doesn't really accommodate all the different kinds of, uh, people and allow them to kind of strive towards what they are interested in because it's just, it's too, too narrow of an approach. Um, but with martial arts, yeah, I started when I was five and, it's had a profound impact on me and uh, I'm not really practicing now. I'm, I do my own, you know, little maintenance and trying to, you know, stay flexible. But as far as what it's given me from more of a, a mental standpoint, it's, I think it's, it's been a huge advantage because it taught me discipline at a young age. And it taught me that, you know, I can do something 
Uh, you know, we'd, every single time we'd enter the mats, you know, we'd say, yes, I can. And, you know, uh, go over to, to start a to start a class. And just that little act of saying something and having a habit and having to show up every day and, and put your best uh, foot forward and, you know, sometimes getting knocked down and just learning that, hey, you have to get up, you know, and and it's just, you know, little things like that. Um, and I competed at a pretty high level for a long time, but just the the discipline at a, at a young age and being consistent with something. And it's I think it's helped me in all different areas of my life. So I'm really grateful for that. And then I remember um, hearing it from one of your interviews with uh, that you were also in, persistent in inviting your father to join you in the martial arts. Yeah, yeah. How was that for you? Oh, I mean, it was it was awesome. You know, I mean, he'd he'd accompanied me to most of my classes and a lot of tournaments, and um, you know, I, I probably tried to convince him for at least a year and a half to to get in, and he and he finally started taking classes with me and and uh soon enough he was competing as well and you know my reasoning was pretty simple it's like you know you're you're coming with me to all these tournaments all around the country it's like you could be competing at the same time and you know it'd be it'd be pretty awesome so um it was really special and uh we had an amazing experience we both grew and it was it was really good it was really good so i treasure those those experiences <laughs> I, I remember when um, I I already also have a grown child and I remember when I wanted to introduce him to um, oh he he started judo but I didn't do judo I I am aware of the judo but when it it was it was uh, doing the af, a capoeira that I joined him a little bit you mm. know for that because yes I was already with him I might as well do a little something with him and so it was kind of uh, fun and then on on one one uh, event also i um he was learning to do the jimbe the drum and mm. then i also joined the the dancers <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. So, so those are my beautiful memories with him and so um and that those little memories are really precious that I could always count on that memory to whenever things are not doing well with the whole economy or just the whole situation lately. So, yeah, yeah. so uh, you know, beautiful. And, and at 11 years old, now it's just awesome also because it seems like that's still the age where children likes to hang out with parents so then after that they started to say okay let, let me hang out with with friends already so that so I am, and i'm emphasizing that so that the parents could really pay attention that at certain age it's good to really find time to listen and to see how parents and children can do something together especially nowadays that there's so many there's you know, the other things that were put into lockdown in a way helped us to refocus on the family mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah now yeah and and i want to emphasize or i'm mean, just to be clear in that in this live stream why i wanted to invite you and have this conversation is not because i know much about investing or i could present like you know but because it's when we, in my um work as a health coach when people have some financial problems that seems to really affect their health mm -hmm. so but then many people didn't really get a chance to fully learn how it is to make themselves financially stable are financially well mm -hmm. so with you and you here you are at such a young age and did i hear it correctly that you already started investing other than going to that little class at 11 you already really started investing when you were in your 16 17 right yeah it was much later on and that was uh really just a, a very technical class on being able to interpret charts things that are not uh really relevant for for most people um because it's a very niche kind of thing and 
you know, trading and all that kind of stuff, you know, that's not something that's, that's for most people. And for good reason, <laughs> it's, it's very stressful and it's, um, it's not investing. It's, uh, it's a little bit of a gamble if you don't really know what you're doing. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I totally, totally agree. And that's one reason why I started my channels is because I saw it as a really big problem and not just something that I'm interested in and that I like, um, and that's up my alley, but something that I feel like if I was able to afford information and, and it, um, kind of share some of my experiences and how I've, you know, done things wrong and, and how to learn the hard way and, and to kind of share things, it could help other people. Um, and people's finances are so important, you know, uh, it's our, it's a hard earned time and, uh, work that we get in return for, you know, we get money in return for that. And we want to make sure that we protect what we've earned and what we've worked so hard for so that we can do the things that we care about in life. And so that we can share it with the people that we care about and love and, you know, take care of things. And so it's a really uh, deep issue. And I would love to talk about it because right now there's so much uncertainty. There's so much kind of, uh, you know, debate as far as what's coming up next and, you know, how different markets are going to be performing and, you know, where to, where to find kind of safety and security in a time of, you know, craziness, right? Uh, which I think we've seen no shortage of in the last year and a half. Do you see that you have you have more people of your age following you, asking you questions, or um, uh, 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 or from older people like me? And with that question, and what's the common questions that the, they ask of you? Well, I would say demographic wise, it's uh, it's older people, uh, not really people my age necessarily. Um, now, if you look at what's happening in the in the the broader markets and in the kind of uh, the investing environment right now, it is it is euphoric. It is crazy. So many people my age that you know never used to care about investing or, you know, just in the last year are gun ho about it and are all in and are, you know, really, uh, you know, being aggressive. And a lot of that is to how financial assets have performed in the last year, um, really in the last, you know, for a long time. Um, but there's been a massive bull market when you look at least in the U.S. market. Um, but things have been doing really well. Prices have been going up and it's been bringing a lot of people in um, to try to take advantage of the, the potential gains. And it's, it's like a, it's a crazy environment right now, crazy investing environment. And for most people that are actually reaching out to me, it's more about, um, more about the macroeconomic environment, the big picture and what's going on in our world. Um, looking at, you know, the federal reserve and what they're doing. And a lot of my content on YouTube specifically has been focused on the macro environment and, kind of addressing the massive debt problem that we have in the world right now, how that's all going to unfold and whether or not it's going to uh, manifest in a kind of inflationary uh, deleveraging where prices go up substantially, or if it's going to result in a deflationary one where a lot of debt kind of collapses on itself. You have a lot of bankruptcies and there's kind of like a, you know, financial crisis that, has to happen in order to kind of relieve the pressure that that debt is creating on our economy. And so that's what I get the most questions about, because that's kind of the big, the big topic that I've been looking into for a long time. And um, one reason why I've done that, not just for my personal investing thesis and whatnot, but it's because it's going to have a profound impact on everyone in the world. You know, it's, it's going to, you know, you're going to feel it in the real economy in very practical, real ways. And so I've really looked a lot into that, even though it's not really pertinent to my uh, individual uh, trading and stuff like that day to day or week by week. But big picture, it's a really important topic to at least have a general understanding of. Yeah, and there's even a lot of um, talks among groups where, and yes, it's still mostly adults or, I mean, uh, yeah older than you, you know, groups talking about it and they're, they're coming together in like a blockchain ecosystem. Right. And there's, um, but other people can't really figure out or understand why that must happen or what's your thought on that? 
Well, it's definitely clear that uh, blockchain, there are a lot of different um, kinds of innovations and technologies that are coming forth right now, and it's challenging the current system in place. And it's uh, giving more power to the people in a decentralized manner. And I think that's really cool. Um, I think it's really early too. And I'm not exactly sure how all these things are going to be performing in, in the near term. But I think there's uh, there's a there's a massive shift that's happening. And I, I think that's pretty undeniable. And I think there's going to be a lot of change in the next five years. And hopefully a lot of that is is positive change. Um, but yeah, I, I don't have a strong opinion on um, as far as blockchain technology. It's not really my uh, my expertise. I'm really interested in Bitcoin, which is the, you know, the first cryptocurrency that um, actually utilized that underlying blockchain technology. And I do technical analysis on Bitcoin very often um, because I, I personally trade it and I'm, I think the charts are very interesting. So I share that a lot on my, my Instagram and here and there on my, on my YouTube. And I think Bitcoin is um, kind of becoming a competitor to uh, the, what would you say? It's, it's becoming a, an additional substitute to fiat currency. And you're seeing that in different countries that have suffered from significant inflation where, um, you know, I think in Venezuela, uh, in Iran, I think, different areas where there's um, there's a central authority on, on, on currency and it's hard to transact value. And a lot of that value deteriorates when there's excess uh, inflation. And so I think it's really great that, a, a new money is kind of coming about that okay. gives more power to the people in a way. Um, but as far as uh, crypto like Bitcoin or Ethereum or any other cryptocurrency becoming a large player in the uh, in the monetary game, I think that's a while away from now. But it's not too late for anyone, you know, especially uh young people to start learning about bitcoin right i remember i think i heard about bitcoin maybe over 10 years ago and it was really fascinating to you know that it just started and what and it's also being led by young people on when they created it you know so i, I so what would be for someone who need who is interested to know more what would be their like their first step to get to know what bitcoin is and how to invest in it and you know what 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 and what would be the risk because you know, everything has a risk yeah. a lot of risk right we can definitely and, talk about that today <laughs> well what 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 is life without risk absolutely that's a great that's a great great point right there uh, that's a it wouldn't really be much because i mean risks risks make life meaningful in a way and you know, not taking a risk is a risk as well. And, you know, there's risk everywhere. You can't avoid it. And so you kind of have to pick it. Um, and, and and that's going to be different for everyone. That's that's the beauty of it. But as far as your first question about Bitcoin, um, I mean, there's there's never a wrong time to, to start learning about anything, right? And so um, there's, there's more than enough content out there. Um, and it's... Uh, yeah, there's there's plenty of information out there. So I would definitely recommend uh, checking it out um, to give you background as far as when I started learning about Bitcoin. Uh, it was in around 2016, middle, early to mid 2016. And I was, you know, studying it and researching kind of, you know, what is it? Because uh, I was hearing a lot of hubbub. And this was as the price was starting to soar back in its last bull market, uh, where it went from I think about $150 to just about $20,000 in a about two, two and a half year span. And so I was just starting to hear about it. And so I started learning and studying and, you know, some people uh, close to me are like, oh, you should, you should start, you should start investing in it. Cause I know you're, you're interested in, in investing. This could be one of your first investments. It's, it's you know, it's going up a lot. And I'm like, well, I need, I need to take time to, to learn about it and, you know, really look into it. And so by the time I had, felt like I had gathered enough knowledge to feel confident in making an investment. It was, I think, a day and a half or, I don't know, two or three days after the peak of the bull market back in 2017. Um, and so I actually um, lost a good deal of my own hard-earned money that I had uh, earned during uh, you know playing poker and whatnot. And, you know, this... 
it really taught me a really important lesson because, and it's so clear with Bitcoin, something can have value and something can, can be a great investing idea. But as far as when to buy, that's such a difficult, you know, question because, you know, you had it back in 2020, March of 2020, you know, Bitcoin was trading under $4,000. Now it's, I think today it's, I think around $41,000, $42,000. Did Bitcoin change? Did Bitcoin's value increase by ten, over tenfold in that time? No, Bitcoin's the same thing that it was back then. Um, and that that kind of leads you to to ask, well, why why does the price fluctuate wildly up and down? And that's and my my uh, opinion on this. I kind of subscribe to the socioeconomic or socioeconomic perspective on finance is that human behavior and emotion has a profound impact on markets, and that's why I I've studied a lot of um, you know I've done a lot of study on technical analysis and different approaches, and it's kind of uh, being able to conceptualize that human emotion aspect and how that manifests in price charts. And that's why I'm really interested because because to me, I think Bitcoin has a lot of value, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to yield returns because if you get in at the top of a of a market and that price goes down, that doesn't mean that it was a bad investment. It just means your timing goes off because you're getting in when the trend was was just about done. And so I've had to learn the hard way with those kinds of things. And educating yourself is great. Um, but as far as investing and trading, it's a really, really tough game. And so you have to, um, I mean, I can, I can lead this into talking about how to maybe start if you're a beginner. And I think the most important place, uh, to begin with when you're, you're wanting to just start investing. I've told my, a lot of family and, and, you know, my siblings, the same thing when they've asked me, you know, Oh, you know, what should I get into? Or, you know, tell me, and I'm like, I'm doing my own thing. What's good for you or what's ideal for you is going to be totally different. And I think it starts with you really have to learn about who you are and what your your temperament is, what your risk tolerance is, what your values are, what your goals are. You have to you have to figure out all these kinds of things that are complicated and it's going to take some time. Um, and once you really know what you're interested in, what you want out of your investments, um, and what kind of risk you're willing to take on in order to you know make those investments happen, then you can start actually um, applying that in 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 real time. But it um, time preference is a huge thing too, you know, because if you're wanting to look for the long term, then then that's mm. something very different compared to me, who's kind of a swing trader and looks for week weekly moves and that kind of thing. Um, and once you understand that then you can actually um, go about go about it in a way that's not going to be destructive and you're not going to risk more than you could, you're willing to lose. Um, and you'll be able to have a really good kind of approach with it because it's sustainable and it fits you. And that's really everything that you said is great, great advice because um, it's really um, primarily for a person to know what do we want, right? And and it's interesting when you said you're talking about um, looking at the human behavior because that goes back to you as an investor to really know your behavior. Because if you know, if you just uh, uh, let your emotions make your decisions, then uh, it may not go anywhere. And, Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I let let let's bring this one question, okay? So you can answer this. Okay, okay, yeah. This is a this is a good question. There's been a lot of uh, um, talk about not really trusting the origins of Bitcoin and where it comes from. Um, and you know, the cool thing about it is that you know, Bitcoin is is decentralized. And so there's no central authority that governs any kinds of transactions. It needs all the different kinds of nodes and different computers that are allowing the network to continue in order to, to, to happen. So it's, it's kind of a, it's a system that's, that's been created that is very self-sustainable. Um, but, you know, I completely understand not really having faith in the, 
the the creator Satoshi Nakamoto and you know where this whole thing comes from and whether or not it could just implode on itself um, if someone has a kill switch. Like I, I get it, um, but over time, uh, I think the market will kind of hash that out and there's more and more technology and innovation that's going into the space that's making it more and more secure and safe for uh, people to use. And so um, with anything, there is risk. And, you know, Bitcoin and its network could be completely secure. But if you buy Bitcoin and you put it on a on a on a wallet, on an external hard drive kind of thing, um, and you lose that or you lose the key, the private key to that, you could lose your entire uh, Bitcoin. Or if you send your Bitcoin to the wrong address, you know, it's, it's gone forever. And so there, there are massive risks with it. And um, the, the concern about its origins being, uh, you know, clear and, and legitimate, those might not even be the, the biggest risk for individuals because there, there are other risks. So um, it's definitely a space that I think deserves a decent amount of skepticism. Uh, before you enter and and um, making sure that you really understand everything that you can control in it so that you can mitigate the risk of potentially losing your funds. And, and I think that just starts with making sure that you're not investing anything that you're not willing to lose. And you're also making sure that you really understand what you're going into. Because I mean, as far as Bitcoin goes, I'm as far as all the technology that goes into it, I am not an expert by any means. <laughs> a lot of that goes over my head. And, um, but I'm, I'm more interested in the, the actual utility of it and what it's supposed to accomplish and, and give to people, which is one of the reasons why it's gone up so much in price, because there are clearly um, certain things that people value about Bitcoin. Um, that's allowed it to gain an over trillion dollar market cap in just 10 years. Um, it's been the bo- you know, best performing asset in the last decade, which is pretty, pretty wild. Um, so yeah, uh, that's, a, I totally understand why you may not trust it. Uh, I didn't trust it for a while too. And that's why it, t- it took me so long to actually start, uh, you know, investing. And by the time I invested, I was usually using a little bit of my emotions and, you know, it didn't go well. So that's why you just have to make sure you really understand your risk and you know what you're dealing with. Abby, how about, um, could, how do you also respond to, to people who might have the concern that, you know, with whatever they're choosing to invest, we, it, they want to make sure that it, it's, it, it is congruent to their values. Yeah. Because yeah. I I remember I you know I didn't know a lot before in terms of the political situation and but then when I started to, to learn and this was way back when I was still living in the Philippines that you know those globalists and then you keep investing and yet it seems like you are supporting the system already that's making even people more economically depressed more displaced just like you know like keeping them more in poverty or dependent and yet we keep in investing on that system so uh, um what's your thought on that uh, do you think a lot of young people or a lot of um even not young people investors have even the thought that maybe they they should really choose carefully on what to where to invest yeah well to to continue real quick on on that last question responding to to her i would say that if you don't trust bitcoin then listen to yourself and that's really valuable information and you know investing in things it, it should be um an individual kind of choice and if you don't feel right about something then you shouldn't invest in it um and ta- now responding to your point um, I actually had a conversation with uh, Nia Peoples at the 2020 um, Advanced Medicine Conference, and she she mentioned something to me that really stuck out to me. And she she talked about how most of her investments that she felt really good about, just like in her heart, she felt really good about. Um, it wasn't based off trying to make a bunch of money. It wasn't based off of greed or 
you know, resell value or anything. Uh, for example, a home that she purchased, you know, it maybe wasn't the best uh, investing opportunity, but it was something that felt right to her. And in her experience, she's had the best results when she did something that she would call uh, conscious investing, investing in things that you value, things that you feel good about, things that um, align with who you are and, and your your value structure and whatnot. And so um, we're talking about more of like the the legacy financial system and the the uh, the uh, the big markets and kinds of the the financial markets that kind of perpetuate the system that we're already in. Um, it might not be for everyone to do those kinds of traditional invest uh, investments. And um, that's kind of just an individual decision. And you also have to ask, well, are you okay with making money in things that you don't necessarily value from a, from a, I guess, a, in, from an intrinsic perspective, like, do you feel aligned with what you're, va- with what you're investing in? And if you, are you okay to sacrifice that alignment that you don't have in order to just gain monetary returns? Um, and that's, that's something that has to be asked from, from everyone. Um, you know, I've known, I've known some people that were, uh, completely against uh what moderna was doing for example yet they were they were investing in their their stock price because and they made a decent amount of money from their from their stock price because they weren't investing in it because they thought of it as a as a great company or anything but as hey you know this is an opportunity to make money and then i'm going to sell it and you know laugh at their face kind of thing and i'm like okay well that's that's for you maybe not for me um but it's an individual choice and whether or not you're okay with that Oh, thank you. And uh, this is her, her response. You know, the uh, moon. She she was the one. He said, "I believe bitcoins had been invented by criminal world governments. It's part of the reset. And what if they decide to close down instantly? We can lose all our investments. I don't trust anything coming from the ma- matrix personally." I trust the universe will guide me to make right choice for my highest good and in the highest good of the collective. So I like that, that uh, you know, just like as you said, you know, you have to really use your intuition and if whatever doesn't feel right, then it doesn't feel right. So, right. right. Yeah. I, that's, a, I, that's a great point. And things that, that call out to you that you value and, you know, because your money in a way is kind of like a vote, you know, and you can put your money towards things that you value and that you think are, are good. And you can make your vote um, into something that uh, aligns with who you are. And I think that's, that's a great, uh, a great strategy uh, because like you were talking about earlier with people struggling with that alignment with their finances and how that impacts with their health. And, and, you know, that's a big cost and you don't want to be um, investing in something that you are, concerned about or that worries you and you know it's is it really worth the the gain that you could potentially get as well and so that's another thing with risk it's not just looking at the monetary risk but also with the emotional risk and the you know the everything that that goes into that um because it's it's a much more nuanced equation than just risk and return from a from dollar sign perspective yeah i abby i remember a friend of mine who was really big in and in investing and then when uh, when stocks are down oh my he it bothers him so much when it comes to his sleep and and his emotional um temperament for that day so right. his brother had to remind him to you know calm down you know like yeah. don't let it hurt your health. So that's another, you know. Right. Or or adjust, you know, your your positions or what you're doing. Because if you're not able to really operate in the world in other ways because of your current position or whatnot, it's like that there's something wrong there. You know? And it's it's there's nothing wrong with him worrying and, and feeling stressed out because it's probably warranted because he's he's probably extending 
his risk tolerance or what he really should be doing past the the optimal level. And so I've had to do that too, even where I have a setup where, okay, you know, this is, this is sound from a risk to reward standpoint. It's a good setup, but you know, it's, it's bothering me and I need to lighten up because emotionally it's not worth what I'm investing into or I'm having to check it too, too, uh, too often. And it's just, you know, you have to weigh, weigh all of those kinds of factors um, into it so that you maintain your personage and being able to, you know, have some kind of emotional stability and whatnot, you know, while investing and trading. So. Oh, this question, I'm sorry if I will jump back, but I'm because I really want you to talk about just the skills in poker and <laughs> and having to use that in, in anything. I think beyond investment, because I know also of I, uh, what, uh, many years ago, I was hired by a son who for his father and he was really a poker player and he he found me on the internet and he just like you he learned to play poker when he was at the university and he actually left the university and became a professional poker wow. player wow. and he was he was as far as i know he was one of the best during that time wow. okay That's and awesome. I, I i don't have connection with him anymore but i believe he, he's still playing poker and he i would he would be calling me when he's in asia or something checking mm. on how his father is so yeah what mm. is that in poker that really helps people see uh you just do very strategic things and not just in finance but i believe in like in life in general yeah well yeah i love i love the game and one of the things that i love so much about poker is that it's a game that anyone can play there's no there's no barrier to it there's, it doesn't matter if you're you're rich or you're poor or you're tall or you're short or you're strong or you're weak like it doesn't matter the cards don't care and you know it's it's just a, such a cool equalizing game and what goes into it is you know there's sure there's some math and you know basic you know probability and that kind of stuff but it's really a game of life because you have to you know that the ups and downs are inevitable and they happen to everyone and it's about how you respond to those ups and downs that matters and I've, I can't say enough about the game because it's really taught me to, to first of all, understand risk, understand that it's there, it's, it's ever present and it's just how you manage it. And it's also taught me that, you know, people are really, really interesting creatures. That's for sure. And, you know, being able to deal with different people and being able to adapt to different environments, different temperaments and finding an optimal strategy. You know, a lot of times people ask me, it's like, oh, you know, what would you do in this spot? Or what would you, um, you know, how do you play? And it's like, well, I don't really have a fixed way of playing. I have maybe a, a simple default, but then I adjust my strategy based off of my opponents and based off of, um, you know, prior history and, and whatnot. And that's why I love the game because there's, there's so much nuance to it. And, um, uh, it's also a really fun social game if you're playing with friends and whatnot. So I've always enjoyed that. <laughs> well, if if you and other people have learned it, I was just thinking, what if the globalists are playing that game on us as well? You know. <laughs> <laughs> so, and and in in connection to that, what's your thought when? Um, lately, it seems some even when some businesses would like to open. I've had a conversation with some businesses and they said they could not open because they could not hire people. Mm -hmm. There's lack of people wanting to work. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's not that I research on why they didn't want to work, but all I know is it's that they're in some areas where they give a lot of, they, they're still getting that uh, um, payment from the government. And so, and at one point, I also heard that those who have been working can, are even getting more money. So why do they have to work? Right, right. 
but but what tell me tell tell us from your understanding what does it really do to our economy when we just keep doling out yeah, do we really well, have money to dole out there there are many different uh angles to this and you know in one way the government is kind of sending out preserve uh perverse incentives uh on people and uh, kind of discouraging labor and labor participation which is i think really troubling um there's another part of it with you know looking at the debt situation and looking at all the the deficit spending and the massive amount of debt that's accumulating very fast um that is not really creating any more wealth or production or opportunities for the average person out there. And so um, there's a that kind of leads us to the debt crisis and looking at, hey, if we don't start having, looking specifically at the US, though the rest of the world also has the same kind of issue when looking at you know, insufficient economic growth and um, just massive amounts of debt compared to GDP. And so if you look at it from like a, household perspective if you have a, a household that is making you know a thousand uh, ten thousand dollars a month and they're spending you know thirty five forty thousand dollars a month how long can that go on and it's like well you, you don't have to be a mathematician to realize that that's an unsustainable way of of operating your finances and um you know the government's able to do that right now because the whole system is based off of debt and everyone is is accumulating massive amounts of debt. But the other part of it, when you're looking at the labor part, um, is that, you know, you're, 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 um, you're wanting to encourage people to start working. And right now there are those incentives to, to not work because you're making as much, if not more money, um, not working. And this is, the government's actually becoming a competitor to small businesses and corporations alike because it's actually starting to artificially uh, manipulate the cost of labor because now it's almost like, you know, ideally you want to have companies compete and have the, you know, offer the best opportunities to other people for, for employment. And that results in something that, uh, kind of evens out to, okay, this is the price I'm willing to accept. And it's it's kind of the equalizer. But when you're having the government start to manipulate things through fiscal policy, it's starting to impact the prices, the normal prices in the economy. And that has innumerable uh, unintended consequences, because just like what the Federal Reserve is doing right now in the financial system that's impacting interest rates and whatnot, um, it's it's messing with the natural order of prices and that is something that's really troubling and i don't think is going to resolve in a very good way mm -hmm. um, because all of these kinds of things like the 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 fiscal policy that's going towards you know unemployment uh benefits and whatnot um it's meant to help but if it if there are other things that it's actually hurting more than it's helping, then at some point you have to ask, well, how is this going to end? And why would people ever go back to work if they're being conditioned to not work and still make the same amount of money? And it's not like things just magically produce um, themselves. If you're not producing things and the government's just sending out money, then, well, you know, you still need those goods and services available to make the money matter. And so that's why a lot of people are thinking that prices are going to continue to rise. Um, and I've, I've said, I've made a lot of pushback on that on my, my YouTube channel, because there are many different angles, and it's a very complicated topic. Um, but yeah, I've noticed that a lot. And um, that labor shortage is something really troubling and is going to, I think, impede economic growth for a while. Do you look forward to a future where everything is done just in digital currency? And because that question, like some, I don't know, it's it's seems very convenient, but it seems like questionable. But at the same time, it's like, like I feel like no, we still need some type of um, actual money going around. 
<laughs> you know, like something tangible. Right. From from a convenience standpoint, I mean, I'm I'm very used to to physical cash and coins. So personally, I wouldn't want to see um, that disappear. Um, and you know, sometimes our phone go goes out of battery or whatnot. You know, like it's it's nice to have That's an alternative. Right. Um, but you know, I think it is inevitable that we are going to continue to 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 head towards that uh, digital kind of interface. And on the surface, it won't really change a lot of things. Um, but I think as you you take this down further, it actually has the potential to change a lot because right now i mean more or less the us dollar is kind of a digital currency in 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 a way um you know when the federal reserve is doing their their money printing it's not like they're actually you know printing physical dollars it's they're just you know balance sheet entries on a computer and it's just giving banks more reserves and it's it's uh mainly you know computerized and so a lot of what we're seeing right now is is not based off of a physical phenomenon of like money printing or anything like that. And so um, it's going to be interesting as governments and, and central banks continue to need more and more control over the, the supply of money and whatnot, that might be um, something that triggers this kind of transition to more of a, a digital currency. Um, and as long as the system stays mainly intact it's it's perfectly fine but if it if it starts to actually dissolve the current uh monetary system and the banking system and whatnot it could actually create some really troubling effects because in in effect you would be giving the government complete control over the the money supply and so they could devalue your currency in a very short amount of time um, and that's that's something that is is definitely a concern um, because in my perspective, and I've shared this a lot on my YouTube channel, I go much more in depth. I won't I won't go into it here, but um, the way that the system is is operating right now and the the checks and balances in the banking system, um, it's really preventing a lot of that new currency that the Federal Reserve is creating to actually enter the real economy. And so that's why I don't think you're going to have these massive price increases for a sustainable amount of time, because right now there's so much debt in the system and there's not enough uh, productivity and natural inflationary forces that are going to allow that to happen. But um, if you allow the Federal Reserve and, the, and the, the government to kind of circumvent the current system and get around those structural impediments that prevent a lot of that money just to rush into the system, then you could see uh, really sustained increases in prices because they would have that control. But as of now, personally, I don't see them having that kind of control to to uh, artificially increase prices like that by just flooding the system with money. So that's my general perspective mm -hmm. on that. Oh, fantastic. I guess we just have to keep studying about it, learning more, and just op open ourselves to opportunities. Now, Abby, do you want to talk about, you You have a project with your father right now. Do you want to talk about that? Or, and, you know, in terms of you know, you're helping him or both of you are together in a project for that is helping the bigger community. Oh, give me just one second. I need to plug up my computer here because it's on low battery. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so uh, yeah, that would be good if you want to share that. Uh, and um, maybe the next one I'm going to ask you is, you know, you went back to school also. Is the school that you're, is the course you're taking still related to what you're doing now? Well, I'm actually, uh, I actually just graduated this past semester. Um, oh. So I'm, I got my degree in finance now and I'm uh, completely done with that. Um, and, uh, as far as what you were mentioning with my, with my dad, we have, uh, several different, uh, little projects that are in, in progress. And, uh, I don't really have a lot of information to share right now, but it's, it's definitely, um, uh, you know, we, we have very similar, like big picture goals, but I have, uh, a lot of different things that are different from him that kind of complement what he's wanting to do. And so, 
I'm happy to help in, in any way that I can. Um, and yeah, he's, he's got a lot of really cool things in, in the works and I'm, I'm excited to be able to help in any way I can. So hopefully we'll, well see we, Well, we, we all know for those of you who knows your father, <laughs> and I don't think anyone doesn't know your father, but he's very proud of you. And that's coming from a father, you know, and, and I see that as, you know, when you said you kind of, you're, you're helping him or supporting him in many ways or in form. It's just nice that as a parent, I know that we, I, I see a young person as a mirror of what I am doing. So it's good to listen and to be in that kind of relationship. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and so, how does a uh, how does a day look like to Abby? You know, oh, terms of your care <laughs> is your your friends. <laughs> well, um, so day to day, I'm currently I'm I'm a tennis instructor. I've been teaching tennis for about four years now. So, um, I have tennis lessons uh, multiple times a week. And, uh, but my main thing is really keeping an eye on the markets during the, the U S market hours. Um, and, and yeah, I, I have, uh, I'm honestly, I'm a little bit of a, of a loner. Um, I kind of just do my, my own thing. And I, I look at charts a lot. <laughs> and, that's your date. Uh, that's your date night. That's, that's your my date night. Yeah. <laughs> Date night's the the Bitcoin four hour chart. That's that's the one that uh, every evening. But no, uh, yeah, and you know, to to me, it's uh, it's a passion, and um, I have a lot of different passions that I'm I'm thankful for, and I'm I'm hoping that I'm able to kind of uh, transition to those. And I hope once I get um, some of these other other passion projects going. Um, I'm wanting to actually start my own podcast here um, in the near future and cover more than just finance and economics and stuff like that. I'm, I'm not, uh, I haven't taken any uh, advanced classes in economics or anything. And so I'm, that's something that I just have taken an interest in and really looked a lot into and studied on my own, um, not necessarily um, just in school, but um, I have a lot of other interests that are, don't have anything to do with uh, the the financial area, so I'm hoping to to start working on that and being able to have awesome people to talk to and have deep conversations with and and you know discuss some really important things in life. Um, so so yeah, but as of now, my my normal schedule is just uh, a lot of chart analysis and I'm trying to find a good time to work out and whatnot and you know, taking care of my dog and teaching tennis. So that's that's my main thing. And did you ever have an, a bad night, a bad day? And what do you do when you were like, you're feeling just down? Oh, yeah. Oh, plenty. <laughs> plenty of those. Um, I mean, I had to confront those first off when I was playing poker, because like I said, the, the ups and downs are inevitable. And so I'd have some days where I, you know, lose hundreds of millions in fictional terms of, you know, the, the uh, <laughs> chips. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's a downer. And then I've taken, uh, and during those times, you just have to take a break. Um, especially anyone that's played poker uh, for a decent amount of time. They know that when you get down, that the tendency is just to, you know, try to keep playing, keep grinding, keep going and try to make it back. Um, and a lot of times that can make, make the, the situation worse because you're already operating in a mindset that's kind of flustered and uh, probably frustrated and whatnot. And the same thing, it's, it's so true also for, for trading um, because it's a, it's a complete mental game, just like poker is really a complete mental game. Um, and you have to stay disciplined. You have to know yourself, know your limits, um, and make sure that you manage yourself. You know, that's so, so hard to do. I can't even tell you. And it's really easy to get down and, and you know, to make a mistake and just, you know, you know, want to really put yourself down because you regret doing that. But the the part of it is it's a constant learning process. And 
making sure that you're not biting off too much uh, more than you can chew. And especially for your listeners, especially those that haven't done a lot um, in investing or really any kind of area, sure that you're you're engaging in things that you understand. And if you are not engaging in things you're understanding, make sure that you keep the tuition costs low. Allow yourself to learn and make mistakes before you start investing things that you're going to have value for um, because it, it makes learning a lot more fun and, and uh, less expensive. <laughs> Let's just say that. Oh, that's all true. All true that you said, you know, it's it, just like um, what I'm doing, right. As a nurse and a podcaster and uh, being able to really manage your, your, emotions to it like you know we may have really good intentions but then if we get attached and then because yeah. it always happens you know and let's okay calm down and enjoy enjoy life to the fullest yeah yeah, Those yeah. Are- and you're able to do that when you're you're you know organizing yourself in a way that's that's conducive for that and it's going to be different for everyone so that's why you know really understanding yourself is so important it's really hard to do it takes some time you know we're crazy people you know you might think you know yourself but then uh you know you take time to to try to listen more you you know just taking time to observe yourself and you you come to learn so much more and that can be really valuable so that you can kind of avoid those pitfalls and operate in a way that's that's right for you because that's going to change for everyone and um, before we close, just briefly, Abby, I, I want I really wanted also for people to know that you had that medical challenge when you were still young and that was related to a, a, a poison dart that you had. Do you want to talk about that a little bit and then how you and your whole family got everything together and, you know, got your health back? Yeah, well, um you know, I was, I was very young. And so to me, I don't really have much memory of it. That's what I usually tell people. Um, I'm, I'm blessed to have, um, such a nurturing and supportive family, um, that has loved and taken care of me all the way through. And, um, I've come to understand as I've grown up that I had had some difficulties when I was younger and, um, you know, my mom and my dad were, instrumental in, in helping me uh, recover and, and become who I am today. Um, most of all that I remember is this, you know, being consistent with taking the, um, the transdermal uh, application uh, on my arms. And I would do that every, every day. And um, I understood that that was, you know, helping me become healthy. And um, other than that, you know, I don't really have any memories. I just, I'm just like, you know, anyone else and just doing my best and have an amazing family that's supporting me all the way through. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. That's good and good enough to share because I just want to let people really realize that, you know, whatever health challenge you have, there's always a solution out there. And when you get the real solution with the real support, then, you know, things will get better. So it's not something that you have, it's like the end of your life. So we have to remember that. And and and, and, and I thank you for being involved with your father's uh, project because, you know, uh, I like that. I like that <laughs> you are there. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm so fortunate. I'm so fortunate to be involved with this. Um, I'm excited to see where it goes. And um, it, what's the easiest way for people to get in touch with you? Yeah, so I'd share my email, but I am very slow uh, normally uh, getting back with my email. But I would say definitely checking out the link tree. Um, I try to uh, answer as many questions as I can on all my social media, but especially uh, YouTube and Instagram. Um and yeah, you know, we can definitely connect anywhere there if you have questions or, um, you know, want to learn more about you know, kind of what I'm into. The main reason why I'm doing things on social media with the, the Twitter and Instagram, that's really just a journal for me to, to log my analysis and whatnot. Um, but uh, definitely as far as big picture stuff, and if you'd like to get my opinions on anything, feel free to uh, check out my YouTube and share a comment and uh, we can connect there. 
Thank you so much. And I, I hope to see you again in the next Advanced Medicine Conference. And um, maybe you can, you know, have another one. And I wish you luck in everything that you do, because it seems like you have such a bright future. So Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you too, the next one. Okay. Thank you. And to all our viewers, thank you. And do share this because, you know, she has an important message and why not? We can continue to learn more and more about the economic financial situation and everything that matters in life, especially living our life to the fullest, even if times can be so crazy right now. Take care. And in my language, I say mabalos. Thank you. Very nice.